0: Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses where we talk to the Catholic behind the account or in this case the Catholic behind the podcast. I'm Father Josh Mayer. I'm a diocesan priest from the Diocese of Gallup. I'm a previous guest on this podcast and uh, today I've strong-armed your humble host Ephraim Manny into being the guest on his own show. Ephraim's been producing Saintly Witnesses just over
1: two years now. Is that right? Yes, been about Two years, like two two June's ago.
0: I think so. And uh, Efren's style, as you know, is to get out of the way as soon as possible and give his guests a lot of room to speak for themselves and their experiences. I've already talked on this podcast more than Efren has for the last two years on his own show. And uh, today we're going to turn the mic around and we're going to make him talk a little bit about himself. So. How are you
1: doing today? I'm good. I appreciate the opportunity. It's funny because you do, I've probably done like close to 60 of these. And like, every once in a while, somebody's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do you one day. And then they have like the zeal for it. And then uh, it just dies out. So it's actually really cool to actually see like it's coming to, like it's bl- blossoming and coming into fruition. So
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's time I think I think people we know you were friends on Twitter and you've made a really good impact on the community there so I think it's just time for for people to hear a little, little bit about your story and your heart. Before we get into the meat of things though we, uh, we have a special aid for us today, each of us <laughs> are going to be popping a Mountain Dew flaming hot soda it's due with a blast of heat and citrus so I'm opening mine right now.
1: I'm open mine Steve. I saw right. it at the store and I was just, it was like a really head scratcher. So I did to buy it, right. but it's, it's been really good. You've already been drinking. I've been waiting
0: for this special episode to tell. Ta- oh, he's already drinking it. Hold on a second. Ooh. That's probably the best thing I've ever. <laughs> <been>. <laughs> I've ever tasted.
1: All right. It's funny because this teacher on my campus, like before the school year ended, I said, I'm going to do this prank. I didn't think it was a prank. I just thought he was going to genuinely drink it. And I poured him some in the cup and I walked away. And then he sent a message in like the team's chat or whatever. And he was like, "This is so disgusting. <laughs> and then well, the he, kids were like, I want some, I want some.
0: Yeah, he's wrong. It's incredible. I would, I just want to say before we get going, I was hoping it would be a lot more spicy. It seems a little mild to me, but maybe it'll kick in as it goes. Maybe we can get a Mountain Dew sponsorship for your show as well, based on, based on this episode. All right, so let's begin. Uh, The first thing I just wanted to start with is this podcast, what moved you to start Saintly Witnesses. I think when I listen to Saintly Witnesses, I hear you, besides offering that space to your guests, your emphasis is on the saints and the tradition of the church, and also vocation, empowerment, social justice, the necessity of sacrificing yourself for others. These things seem to be things that are on your heart and the hearts of your guests. So what moved you to get this going? And why'd you start the podcast?
1: Yeah, that's a big question. Um, So it was about two years ago, I was just scrolling the timeline on various social media sites. And I saw um, a person who was like a scientist. I want to say they were like an Aero scientist or something like that. And they were Catholic. And um, that just really piqued my interest because... Like how did this person that's become a Catholic become uh, like a rocket scientist or something like that, space scientist? And you know, then it that branched off, and I was like, man, if you just can think about it, it's like everyday Catholics who have like really fascinating hobbies, careers, activities, professions, and they are Catholic and they're probably making a big difference in some way uh, in their like vocation. And so, uh, yeah, I decided to start it based on that one person I saw. And then I started thinking more about it. You know, I'm a person who values like human relationships and like I thrive on like the, the idea, like the interdependence of, of, of us all, like nobody's their own like self. I just truly believe that we all in this together. And so I think the podcast really highlights um, like this shared body of christ that we in like we all in this bo- this really glorious body together and you, we all have unique spiritual gifts that need to be highlighted and so it's just a really cool like medium to just highlight your unique spiritual gifts and talents and what you're doing for the body of christ or in your own like little vocational lane so uh, yeah yes yeah, sort of, like how it became i ended up eventually interviewing that person who gave me that like inspiration uh, the name escapes me, but uh, <laughs> I did I did interview the person, which was a really good episode too. Uh, yeah, so that's it. I think that's a
0: <clears throat> I think that's a healing approach that you're taking. Just because we're in a, the general vibe in the world and on the internet and in our country today, just factions up really easy, and and we find uh, like our community based on who we're against in a lot of ways. But what's the, what's the solution for that is like really focusing on that community of the body of Christ, that interdependence, which is kind of a not, not like a traditional uh, American ideal. Like, we're like, I'm an independent man, I made myself, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps, and that stuff's just not true. And uh, in the community of the body of Christ, we realize that like the the salvation of others is really important for me, because we're all in this together. And uh, so I just appreciate that that mode of attack that you're taking on this podcast to to just have that relationship with others and just bring them to light. And something as small as that can be can be just really healing for all of us. You mentioned that so you, you saw this uh, this astrophysicist or whatever who was Catholic and that really piqued your interest. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, you haven't
1: always been Catholic, is that right? No, I've only been Catholic like three since 20 Easter oh. vigil 2018 oh like four years oh, coming up yeah
0: four a little bit over four so uh, as a as a zealous baby Catholic maybe tell us a little bit <laughs> about your uh, just the story of your your faith life and how you how you have that what your relationship with Jesus is like and how that led you to the
1: Catholic Church yeah so um, early on like my mom, we grew up like in a, a very irreligious non-religious household. Uh, my mom wasn't like a practicing Christian or, or anything like that. Um, I think my mom grew up a, my mom was like she she was born in like 1960. so she just saw like a lot of or just my personal opinion like she saw like a lot of different like social movements, like the Black Power movement, feminist movement, um, sexual revolution and just all these different eras like growing up and even into the 70s, and I believe that just really, like, influenced her, like, worldview on how to see religion, how she sees religion, um, so, yeah, we, we really grew up in, like, a non-religious household, and I can even remember a couple of years ago, my mom told me, like, she didn't raise us in religion because she wanted us to find it ourselves, and so, uh, yeah, that was really, like, startling me here <laughs> a couple of years ago for my mom, but my mom's, um, so my mom is, like, one of seven and like four of her siblings are like really, really um, devout Christians. Like they are involved. They are like first ladies, deacons' wives. They are like involved in the church or whatever. And so I can remember spending time with them in the summer like preschool, going into like fourth grade elementary age, going to their house in the summertime and whatnot. And we would go to church on Sundays Um, But it was never anything that really just stuck. For me, church then was just more like a recreational activity. Like, the church was the place for the summer camp and the swimming pool Mm -hmm. and uh, all that good stuff. Um, So, yeah, that lasted from about, like, five to, like, 14. And then I can remember in, like, um, middle school, one of my good friends, his stepdad had, like, a little Bible study in his home with his children And he was my best friend. And so I remember just stumbling upon it one day and he invited me to come over. And um, like they had like a round table, like a real live round table. And I would just come and sit and kick it and listen to like their family Bible study. Cause it was like, he was like, my friend was like one to five. So he had a big family and they would just sit at the table and listen to his stepdad talk. Uh, So that was like a good little early seed that started to pique my interest for myself. But what really brought it into like, I guess, existence for me was like high school age in like 2006, um, seven, eight. In that time, my, my brother that's closest in age with me, because uh, I'm one of four. The brother that's closest in age with me, he started getting a lot of criminal behavior. He started to rack up uh, felony records and all this other stuff. And I think it was like established in my family that I was gonna go on that trajectory. And so like all my mom's siblings were like, yeah, you need to come stay with us and you should come do this. And like, we want you to not follow that pathway. And it was sort of like this secrecy in the family, but it was blatant secrecy, kind of, that like they were thinking that something was going to happen to me, or I was going to follow his footsteps. And so I remember just taking like the initiative, like, hey, I got to do something differently to like stand out to make them see that I don't want to follow my brother's footsteps even though I love him but that's just not my my path in life right now and so one of the things that I did was um start to go to my uncle's church uh in my aunt and uncle's church and my uncle's like the pastor of the church for like 40 plus years and she's the first lady and so my cousin um she used to drive us she used to drive me and her used to drive to that church every Sunday and, you know I used to just make my little rounds with the family and they would just see me constantly like happy and like you know engaging with them and not like living up to that image of my brother. And so I did that for about three or four years. And I, I truly believe like at the time, you know, God was like um, conforming my heart and transforming it, and giving me grace. And then I graduated high school in 2009 and I had to go to college. And I was like, I can't keep, I need to make the faith my own. And so I just can't keep I think now that I have a good understanding of it. I need to make it my own, and so I started going to church on my own in college. Um, and that's when it really became like my own thing, and I got baptized for the first time in like spring 2010, April around Easter time 2010, which was phenomenal. Um, did you? Do, was it full immersion? They dunk you all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My uncle, my uncle's church, they did like a whole like WWF power drive <laughs> and I had like a whole bunch of towels it was cool man they had like a real like six foot tub in the back of the <laughs> the, the uh, pew um but yeah but I think even after that after I got baptized I started immersing myself really into like theology biblical studies and um I really felt the the intuitive call to like um to be a pastor or a reverend of some sort and I, and I was going to I was enrolled in seminary um but I became Catholic but that's going to come up next but doing from like 2010 to like 2005 I just started immersing myself really heavily in like theology and biblical studies self-reading like all these academic books that I would buy from Half Pride Bookstore and like really just becoming self-educated in this but I think at this time my soul felt like something wasn't right and I just was like constantly trying to figure out what was the ancient like most um denomination or whatever and I wanted something like more ritualistic and liturgical and I didn't necessarily see that at the you know the black baptist church that I grew up in or I was attending though it was beautiful it just wasn't um like liturgical or ritualistic like I thought it was and so that led me to, like, a investigation, and I went to, like, the Episcopal Church, and I was like, no, that's not true, because it was founded a couple hundred years ago. And I'm like, I want the most ancient, ancient Christianity. And so I went through, like, all these different liturgical Protestant denominations and was investigating, but ultimately I, I landed on, like, hey, these are not, like, the most ancient ones that Christ founded. And then I ultimately landed on like the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox and Catholic church, but becoming, or from my my point of view of being like a Protestant, and I was like a James White Protestant. I was like a real Calvinist, like reformed Christian. Um, And so like a lot of the Catholicism was like crazy far-fetched to me. And like, I just couldn't make a lot of the mental hurdles um, to like, like crucial doctrine that the Catholic church had. Um, so I tried one time, but I was like, nah, this is the Marian dogmas, for example, were like too much of a stretch. So I was like, I can't, I'm not going to do it. And then I tried again a couple of years later, maybe like in 2015. And I heard a debate between like uh, Jimmy Akin and, and Tim Staples or something like that. And I was like, yeah, they present some really good cases for Catholicism, but mm, no. And then that was like my second time. And then it wasn't until I started working at my current district when we had the, when I was a a new hire and we had like Saturday, um, for new hire, they had like Saturday orientation once a month. And I was driving to this location and I had been wrestling with Catholicism, but I was listening to Catholic Answers when Catholic Answers wasn't so controversial and out of touch. And I was listening to Catholic Answers and um, for EWTN, the local EWTN radio. And like they played the Divine Mercy Chaplet in song, and like uh, the lyrics of the Divine Mercy Chaplet song on EWTN were like really beautiful. I was just like, man, I've never heard a theology like this. I've never heard it sung like this or anything like that. And uh, it really, that song like really took away all the scales and the doubts and all of the things that were hindering me from fully embracing the Catholic Church. And so, like, after that day, literally that Saturday in October, I was like, man, I'm going to become a Catholic. And then, like, the Marian dogmas, reading St. John of Damascus was, like, super easy. And, like, reading, like, these different tracks on, like, easy Protestant um, debunk objections and stuff like that just became super easy. And then, yeah, the the Panthers became easy after that. And then I remember I started RCIA, um, like, in the new year, 2017 yeah I became Catholic I went to like two different RCIA programs but I really was I really think I was self-educated in RCIA and I really shouldn't have went but I mean I was humble about it and then like beat the the, the faith directors or anything like that I just went through the process from two different churches transferred from one church to a different church and just took a little humble approach and just sat in the back even though I really feel like I should have like been easter visual like soup ASAP or private like confirmed or something but yeah then i got baptized in easter vigil 2018 and that was good Um, but yeah 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 i didn't i did not touch on the fact that my wife and i had conflict about me entering the catholic church um but that'll come up i'm sure later on when i talk about the beauty of (laughs) the the sacrament of matrimony
0: so when you're in this like intellectual search for the roots of Christianity in the most ancient church and and uh, you're really kind of self-forming. Did you meet other Catholics along the way? Like as you were getting closer to the church before RCIA, did you find any like organic Catholic
1: community or friends or were you really doing this all on your own? That's a good question. And my first um, like teaching job, I straight out of college in 2013, because I graduated in 2013, my first teaching job, there was a woman there who was like super ecumenical and interreligious, but well, she was a Christian. I think she was like a Methodist, and I didn't have a card in so when we had to meet at, when all the teachers had to meet up like at the headquarters or something like that we would mean this woman would commute together and I remember just talking to her and she gave me a book on like Catholic answers to fundamentalist objections. <laughs> and I was like wow I I didn't pay attention to the books I thought she was like trying to convert me or nothing like that but like later on in my process like four or five years later um, that book ended up becoming like super handy because like everything that I ever thought about Catholicism or like all the reform theology objections they were like rooted in Luther and Calvin and all those other contemporary people at the time they were like debunked with like clear um, scriptural, magisterial evidence uh, and like early church evidence too. So that book that that person gave me in 2013 was really like the um, the foundation, I think. I just didn't know it. And then uh, I don't think I ever met any Catholics until I became working at my current job. During that in- orientation phase when I first got hired, there was another guy in like my group, cohort who was also, like, a, a profound, like, devout Catholic. Um, and me and him were talking, and I was just expressing to him, like, this is before the October conversion. This is why we're, like, in June, or, like, they, June a year. And I just explained it to him, like, I don't think I can convert. And he was just like, yeah, just keep keep um, keep um a good um heart open and just keep a good, keep your mind open. Uh, but I was just like, nah, I don't think so. Uh, but those are like the two like instances of people i ever met that were just like or two instances were like um and like a, a strong catholic influence on me at the time
0: so before we get to marriage and family i just wanted to ask you to just speak a little bit about your passion for teaching and serving the young community i know that you take steps uh even outside of your work just to just like you were talking about and searching for for your faith and and uh, pushing your mind and your heart I know that you do that as well with your with your work that you that you study other disciplines like uh, to to improve who you are as a teacher and the gifts that you can offer your community so just thinking about how does your how do your experience you've talked about and also your your faith in Christ and uh, belief in God's love how does that you and and push you to to offer yourself the way that you do in your job and in your community maybe explain a little bit about what you do
1: as well if anybody doesn't know right and so uh at the heart of my and i I didn't like say i've become a teacher i was uh, i got my degree my my undergraduate degree in social work and i was looking for a job (laughs) and i was like well i need to find something and i found like the coolest job ever at the time. Though it didn't pay well at all, the pay was like sucky. Um, But I ended up doing it, doing my contract that year. And then I decided to do it in that same national, it was for AmeriCorps. So I did three years in AmeriCorps, three different agencies, like teaching agencies in the city of Houston. But it was always under like the national banner of AmeriCorps. And I did it for three years, receiving like low pay, but each year I did it, I got paid a little bit more. Um, got married on low pay, <laughs> but it was just like this strong passion for service and like selflessness and like community and justice that really just made me stay three years. Um, and sure, I could have went to an ISD at the time and with my experience, but it was just this like profound foundation that hey, I need to go and um, service. And empower like the Lisa Deeds in our city who are black and brown and and offer them um, educational equity uh, because that's essential that's like a super essential issue uh, that we talk about in education Um, and so I've been teaching I've been in education this will be my 10th year in education uh, and I consider myself like a teacher social worker I mean I have my degree in social work and I'm almost finished with my current degree in social work so and i want to get my doctorate in social work so i I consider myself a a social work teacher not that i'd go about doing like case management or like um like counseling but i bring the the values and the ethics and the the mind frame of like what it means to be a social worker um to the classroom to help create like jaw-dropping results and create opportunities for all our students who are like historically neglected in our communities so that they can have pathways for opportunity. Um, so I'm always gonna be educator. I think I'm always committed to like the education at the heart of education is like the dignity of like the person. And I always tell people like, they ask me like, why, why become a teacher or something like that? And I'm like, if you don't see the dignity, especially work in title one schools, which are like schools that are like majority um, free or reduced lunch. Like if you don't, if you work in a Title One school and you don't recognize, at like the foremost, your prerequisite needs to be like you need to recognize the dignity of the the human person. And once you do that, you that once you recognize the dignity of the person, you should know that you have a mandate to love them and like give them hundred percent. And so like when you serve as Black and Brown students, um, you got to recognize the dignity and go advocate for them in all ways possible with your lesson planning, lesson design, conversations, how you tracking their progress so so that they can ensure have pathways for like growth and opportunities uh, that they might not have had, that their parents might not have had from generations ago. And so uh, I think education is always, it's my profession. I love it and I love social work education. Um, I'm still waiting to meet more social work educators not like counselors, but like teachers who are social workers or professionals in education who have social work background, who infuse like social justice, um, selflessness, uh, the power of self-determination for our students in the classroom to help them create pathways for opportunity and leave lives and live lives of meaning, whether that be going to trade schools, college, um, something or life that's meaningful to them. Where they break like, generational, um, historic, generational historical barriers that have prevented them. And so that's my call to education and like why I do it. But um, this coming year, I won't be like teaching anymore. I, I did like nine years of that. This year, I work behind the scenes to ensure that our learning programs at our current school are inclusive and are meeting the needs of like all our special populations such as emerging bilingual students, students with dyslexia, students who have IEPs mandated by the federal government, uh, tracking their progress, making sure that teachers across all contents are providing necessary accommodations, content language supports, and just everything that they need in order to successfully um, grow and go to the next grade level, and ultimately so that they can be college-ready. Yeah, we do a big disservice if a student comes in barely speaking um, english and they still remain speaking english barely speaking english when they graduate like we have to truly meet the kid where they at and design our lessons in a culturally sensitive way Uh, so that's that's my job now and it's a really good position i think it's a, a key leadership position to help those so you have this concept in your head
0: that you mentioned to me last time when you talked to just about this the social work, this social worker teacher, and it's a teacher that's informed by all these other values. And for me, it's just really impressive, as I mentioned earlier, when I was asking you the question about this, just that you're always seeking to improve yourself in these other areas and these other disciplines, but for the sake of what you're really focused on, not to get distracted by, by all the different things you could do, but just to build up Uh, the core of who you are and what you're offering and it just seems to me really clear that you're you're just growing to be a pretty strong young leader and so I mean you might be have to you might have to start the teacher social worker convention and get this going because you've got the vision and uh and you're going to be guiding others in this so I just want to encourage you I appreciate your words
1: thank you yeah do
0: it man all right so um you'd even you know it's clear that your passion for for young people in the communities that you serve and uh and and teaching and and justice is a is a calling for you and uh and so obviously is to be a husband and a father and so as we're talking about um, your your life and your faith and your vocation let's uh ask you a little bit just about you i mentioned before maybe some conflict uh with your with your wife as far as those very important decisions about uh religion and so I don't know you also mentioned AmeriCorps and and uh being a, a poor young husband, so maybe tell me tell us a little bit about uh, how you how you met your wife and and uh, your 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 experiences as a husband and a father.
1: Yeah, so my wife and I we both attended um, Texas Southern University, and uh, my sophomore year, Texas Southern. Well, my, my wife was like the editor in chief of the publications department because she has like a journalism background and communications background and so my sophomore year like that august i bought like a cool looking like fancy dslr camera and i was like hey i want to volunteer to be a photographer like i want to put it to use and that's how i first met my wife and from college you know we we had like a small relationship i just thought she was like super bossy and like me because like she was the boss and like i was just flunky <laughs> i was like a flunky photographer who was just trying to like be like Peter Parker and take photos Um, I think we at at one point in our college life I think we tried to date and talk but I wasn't really um committed like I was kind of like I just wasn't committed at all and my wife used to constantly ask me what do you want what do you want well, she was my girlfriend then or oh, she was just a, a front co-worker then She and was I, like parker what do you want parker <laughs> and i was just like i don't know i'm just like um uh, just i just want to talk but obviously she didn't want that and so we stopped talking and um but i didn't ever like do anything bad like i didn't do anything like hurtful or anything we just stopped talking and then when i was first teaching like that was like in october Um, I was walking home, I taught night classes that night too. Um, I taught night classes and morning classes to like refugees and asylum seekers and and migrants um, in Houston. And I was walking home one night, it was like waiting for the bus, like at nine o'clock on the South side. And I was checking my email and I got an email from my wife and she was like, are you ever gonna talk to me again? This is like two or three years later. And I was like, wow. But just keep in mind, this, and I forgot to say this, but keep in mind, like just three days before I had prayed to God, like I feel like I was on a, a right sh- spiritual path. I didn't touch on this in like the conversion part, but I had went through like a, a profound spiritual conversion before I graduated college. And then from that point, I was just like on a good, like invigorating path. Um, yeah, I was like on a strong path. And I prayed to God. I was like, yeah, I'm on a cool path. Can you please help me with like a, a person in my life? And like three days later or a day later or so, like she came out of nowhere and I was like, see, God's promises right there. God's God's promises for my wife. Um so when I think about marriage, it's just like, it's just like my wife is like the epitome of God's promises. Like um, like me having that prayer and like us rooting our relationship in that prayer is a reflection of God's promises. And we've been married, celebrated like seven years last month. And something that's been always consistent that I've seen in sacrament of matrimony is just God's promises coming true. And they're faithful every single time. Uh, Like he said, he would take care of us. He constantly take care of all the needs and our whole well-being, in our family. Um, He always gives us empowerment to persevere, he gives us so much comfort, me and my wife. Um, so not overall, like when I like I said, when I see my wife. I just see God's promises in action, um, and through that promise, just like the Old Testament, New Testament promise of uh, a savior, uh, we have two children. Um, and I think parenthood is cool because it's like you get to participate in God's attributes of like being a creator. Like and we created. Me and my wife, we created these two children in our image, sort of, and um, yeah, they've been really a good blessing to see. And I think one of the things that we look forward to is just having opportunities to instill within them, like a sense of identity, faith, service, love, selflessness, um, and like mirror what it means to like have a healthy marriage to them so that they can go off and potentially do the same. Uh, and my wife and then I know a lot of times in Catholic circles it's about did your wife convert to the Catholic Church yes my wife converted to the Catholic Church but when we got married initially or when I went to my conversion phase my wife disagreed because she had moved from her old church to my church community and then it was like well you're moving from Mm. a church community that I came to you with now you're about to move to another church community it's just like confusion but ultimately she heard my concerns and like she was supportive and she ended up going to mass with me for like a long time i mean we used to we used to go to saturday vigil and then we would go to like the non-denominational service and uh on sunday and we did that for like a while i had no problem with that and then it was one point my wife just said hey i'm gonna start coming to mass full time and not go to the non-denominational service then that was really good and My whole prayer then was just help me live and model the faith in a loving way and don't try to be like a pushover or like chauvinist or like say anything that'll, let me be authentically me, basically. And we did that for a while. And then I think my wife was like, "Hey, I think I kind of want to be Catholic, I'm not sure, but I think, and she went through RCA and I told her if she ever went through RCA, I would be there with her side by side every session. And I literally went to every session RCIA, well, uh, I was more so like a teacher kind of. I was just <laughs> giving knowledge. But I went to RCA with her. That was like my third time in RCIA. And uh yeah, it was good to see her confirmed August 2020, like during the pandemic. Uh, August 2020. Yeah, August 2020. So mm-hmm. yeah, she came, she became a Catholic and St. Josephine Bajita was her patron. Nice. Saint.
0: Yeah, I just really appreciated your your words on uh, seeing your your wife as the gift of the Lord and a fulfillment of of His promises, and looking at your kids, and and also just seeing the way that uh, as a husband, as a father, you're also able to to participate in these attributes of of the way that God loves us. And I was thinking about when we first talked. Do you remember, like, you had to run off and uh, take care of i don't
1: remember if it was like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. my son the youngest son he had like threw up and i heard my wife he just and i heard my wife like oh my (laughs) i was like oh hold on real quick let me go help my wife and (laughs) he was just like standing there in limbo
0: so i think that's probably one of the things that god does for us too i think he's cleaning up a lot of the messes that we make pretty often and uh, you get to participate in that too so one thing I was curious about, you had mentioned uh, just how you came from, in your Protestant communities, you have you know churches that have black communities at them and you can really feel at home there. And then it just sounded like in your, in your search for uh, the church that the Lord was calling you to, you had to leave a lot of that behind, at least in your worshiping community. So I have been wondering, what are the things that are really challenging about being a black Catholic in your experience? And then what's really awesome about being a black Catholic?
1: One of the things I think is really fascinating is, um, no, I'm gonna start off with the, the con first. So one of the cons that I, I find troubling, and it's coming from like an educator, social work educator lens, are the number of Black Catholic schools closing around the country. And I know like a lot of people like Black Catholic Messenger and NCR have documented this phenomenon in the last couple of years. Um, but just coming from like a a, just a a black historical perspective in America, like the churches, whether it was Protestant or Catholic, has always been like a, a safe refuge for our community. And when all else failed, you know, we could always return to our church and hear our needs being met. And so to see, then we have these schools being developed. And, you know, a lot of these schools have history within the community, and many people have significant ties to them, and they are just pillars of, like, educational goodness and uh, creating opportunity in the community. And to see these type of institutions be closed really create, like, a sense of abandonment for many uh, Blacks in uh, in the in their community because this was a place that they looked to. Well, this is a place that their grandma, they went to school, too, or parents went to school, and now it's closed. And I just don't, I don't hear enough like at the at the archdiocese level. I haven't really heard much more than just oh, it's just money, a money issue. But I think it's more of about a, a equity issue too, equity educational equity issue, and making sure that um, students who do, who students who want education have a right to their education. And um, I just think black Catholic schools in our community are extremely important. And to see them closed is uh, you know, a sad turn of events in the last couple of years. Uh, but I did see that they were opening a new Catholic school. I saw a Black Catholic Messenger yesterday that they were opening up a school in Houston. So that was really encouraging, like a STEM magnet program or something like that. So that was cool. Um, but one of the things that's been really fast, fascinating and good about being a black black Catholic in the community that I've established virtually and like here in the Archdiocese of Houston it's just the amount of fellowship um like I have a religious sister in Houston who I met email from time to time who's really cool and we both provide empowerment and like perspective on whatever um, then some of the black priests that are like Josephites um, have been really, helpful um, uh, and then like the online community uh, I can think about there's so many people who have been like really nice and like provided resources and just provided like and again going back to what I said earlier, I'm a person who thrives on human relationships and so just being able to just reach out behind the scenes or behind the timeline or whatever the feed and just shoot a message to somebody and just say hey, how you doing? has been really good. Um, Like one notable person who has been like a really good family friend is um, Lydia ocasio Stoutenburg, And she was like the first person I ever interviewed on this program. But two and a half years later, two kids later, you know, she's like a trusted family friend. Like she's, she's my wife's friend. Like her and my wife are like really good friends. She provides like Perspective regarding academics, um, education, professional stuff, research, um, like research opportunities and stuff that I'm interested in. Because she's like a PhD person. So, like, um, she's like a really good, trusted family friend to us. Like, if she lived next door to us, even though she lives like halfway across the country, if she was next door to us, like, that's the kind of relationship that she had. Like, we can go get some sugar or something from our house. <laughs> uh but yeah i just really appreciate the fellowship and there's many other people i can name off too who are really great um yeah the fellowship has really been rewarding
0: you said that your wife's confirmation saint was josephine bakita and his podcast is called saintly witnesses for so it's time for me to ask you about favorite saint or favorite saints uh just some saints you want to shout out and why and the impact they've made on
1: you yeah yeah i know you mentioned um Yours, or I don't know if you mentioned it or you did mention it about Blessed Stanley Rother. Oh, yeah, I like Blessed Stanley Rother because, um, he fought or he provided access to like an obscure people, he provided the gospel and the mass, and he provided the church to them, and he elevated their like culture and identity to like the sacred mysteries. And so, Blessed Stanley Rother is, is always a good person, in my view. Um, Another person uh, is St. Peter Claver. Um, I can remember when I was becoming Catholic, when I had made the the plunge to say yes to Catholicism, I was trying to search for like a saint who appealed to me. And I can remember reading, I have this like 365 day saint book or something like that. It gives like a pretty like page bio of the saint. And I stumbled across St. Peter Claver and I was like, wow, this dude is like amazing um and I guess like I understand the criticism around St. Peter Claver like yeah he didn't like advocate to break the system or or, like change the society Uh, but when I read about St. Peter Claver you know I I read that he was a priest he was Jesus Christ uh, a person acting in Jesus Christ administering this the sacraments to my ancestors he was a person esteeming these um human beings who are enslaved and elevating them to a status worth called to God. And like, he's given them the proper sacraments. He's given them dignity. He's given them, what he's showing them what it means to be children of God in his pastoral way in Columbia at the time. So Peter Claver was, um, he was my confirmation saint and my um, he's a really good dude for me. And then also like Augustus Tolton, um, you know, he's like the, the I, I, mean, I consider him like a, a forefather in Black Catholicism and just American Catholicism. He's a much needed um, saint. Uh, he's a venerable. His life story and legacy is so profoundly strong. And I think the seeds that his life has can be enriching um, across all lines, like his, his story touches everybody's life and everybody can find some source of empowerment and strength through the life and legacy and ministry of Augustus Tolton. Um, so those are three people I really like.
0: Yeah, just here in the in those saints that you are attracted to, you have these these men who uh, in there, you, you talked so much about how relationships are important to you and how in their interpersonal relationships, they're they're constantly you know we're not dignifying others we're acknowledging and sometimes revealing the dignity of others even even to themselves and I think that's something that you strive to do in your classroom or even now that you're working outside of your classroom and it's certainly a responsibility for us as members of the body of Christ like you're talking about any oh, yeah. final words on the serious stuff before I move on to some fun stuff to close us out uh any if exhortations any, to us?
1: If anything, I was going to say one thing. <laughs> one thing I think is super important is that I know I mentioned that I wanted to become, I was on the pathway to become a, or enroll in seminary Yeah. And I stopped. Yeah. And so um, I'm always looking for um something, something uh, I'm always, since I've been Catholic for four years, I, I've, I've kind of been on this journey to search on like, how do I, fit in you know i know a lot of people have advocated said, "Hey, you should be a deacon and i thought about it it's not totally not the table I'm, I'm totally looking for um it's not guidance but it's just, it's always on my mind like how can i fit into the, to the church with like the knowledge that i had as a protestant in the bible and all that and like what i'm continually learning when i do read um but yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good position within the Catholic Church, and I look forward to helping my, my wife's guidance because she's like the epitome of God's promises. With her guidance and you know, a great body of believers like yourself, you know, I'm sure I will find uh, where I fit in in the grand scheme of the tapestry of the church. So that's all I really got to say.
0: <laughs> I think sometimes what is it? We, you know, we trust the Lord in the little things every day. And then every once in a while we see the fulfillment of the big promises. Mm-hmm. We also trust. So we trust in those, we trust that he's done some down payments. So we're going to see the next one. And at some point we'll see the whole planet, you know, when we're dead, we'll still get to look back and see right, everything. Right. <laughs> but, but, but I I was just thinking actually throughout the kind of this whole talk, I was in the back of my mind was, uh, or talking with you in the back of my mind was, I read something from Pope Benedict XVI a long time ago. They had asked him, I think before he was Pope, they had asked him to write like a statement on the, the whatever the ecumenical situation in Europe or something like that. And the, the interesting thing that he said, he said, whenever any of these groups, you know, left the church, whenever there was a schism or a split or whatever, he said, they didn't like just leave us and we're, we're still here doing great and they can come back whenever they want. He said, they took something with them. They took something with them and we need to be whole again. We need to be whole. So I think as you're growing into, you have a, you have a humility, but you also have an understanding of your gifts and what you have to offer and a confidence in that given by the Lord. So, so I just know that that you know, just what do you got to offer and you're a gift to us. So, so I think it's, it can be, it can be also be hard to find, like, it'd be hard for us to accept the gifts of others, right? right. But, I, but I know you have so much to offer and I'm just trusting the Lord that, uh, that, that your voice is going to be heard and who knows if it's at the, the social justice, so the social, the social worker teacher conventions that you're running or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, Um And just uh, thank you for your goodness and the way that you care for others and amplify their voices. And I know that uh, the Lord loves your voice and loves to amplify that as well. We're going to end with the fun stuff. Okay. Three albums, three movies. We don't have that much time. Three albums, three movies. Quickly, what you love about them? I'm not going to argue with you this time. You just have the floor.
1: Um, three movies. I didn't pick like favorites. I picked Bugs Life because of Bugs Life. It's like a really serious movie it deals like about like revolution and like class struggle and like uh, it takes all the power of one always to like break the bonds of like and to dismantle like all these different things going on that are evil. So Bugs Life, Men's in Society uh, by the Hughes brothers. Uh, I think that's a really good coming to age film where Boys in the Hood kind of like aims for the Academy Award. Men's Society just keeps it real and like gritty. And I like Fargo because Fargo epitomizes like goodness always prevails. And like the person, Frances McDormand is like a Christ-like character. Like she's like the unlikely person to achieve justice in the end. Uh, so those are three movies that I like. Uh, three albums. A uh, Big fan of Michael Jackson's. And then my mom grew, I grew up in like my mom exposed me to like the '70s growing up, so a lot of my music comes from like the '70s and older music. So I, I really like Michael Jackson's "Off the Wall." Yeah, "Off the Wall." I think that's like the "Don't Do This" cool. I think uh, "And Dangerous" and all this other stuff is cool. "Off the Wall" is like the stuff, man. It's like it's like Michael at his best. "Off the Wall." Um, obviously, I'm gonna say Queen. I like Queen too. Uh, my wife got me that for Christmas one year, and the vinyl, and I just like. It's like a golden calf in the house. (laughs) I love Queen too, man. It's like a great album. And another album that I really like is Kanye West's College Dropout. Um, It was like one of my first albums I listened to when I was like a teenager, like in 2004 or five. So it's always been a, a pivotal album for me. Yeah, Those are three albums and three movies. When we were in college,
0: me and my roommate got a record player and we would go to the thrift store and grab records. And I definitely grew up with, yeah, just like you were saying, thriller, bad, dangerous, but we got off the wall, which we probably had in the house. I bet my stepmom had it, but I just remember when we would put that on, that was just something else. And it feels so good right from the beginning. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm going to listen to it later. And uh, I wanted to throw in one final question that I didn't prep you for, just because I'm a big arcade game nerd. Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter?
1: Uh, probably Mortal Kombat, just for the sake of like fatalities and like being like a kid in two thousand in nineteen ninety eight, trying to read through the cheat book and on a Nintendo sixty four controller and trying to like press all these buttons at the same time for bestiality or something. Or, animality that's what it's called. Not bestiality. I'm <laughs> going
0: to edit that out.
1: <laughs>
0: you can edit out this whole question. <laughs> no, I'm
1: going to keep it.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I disagree with you on that last one, but I, you're still my friend. And uh, this, since this is your podcast, I just want to pass the reins back over to you. Thanks so much for the privilege of letting me come on here and put you behind the mic. And why don't you, uh, why don't you close us out?
1: Yeah, I definitely appreciate um, you, Father Josh, for coming on. Uh, like I said in our conversation some months ago, uh, I definitely appreciate your witness and like your lighthearted approach to embracing social media and not being so, and, and just finessing what it means to be a priest on social media. Like, um, I never catch you in the controversies. You never like, in me the, the beeps like you just keep it real and just play, you you, you play it like you should be played. And so, um, and you also provide an immeasurable um, source of strength and empowerment for others when it's appropriate. And so I appreciate having access to both, you know, uh, comical and a very serious person that's a vocate, in the vocation of being a priest. So thank you for your... Uh, service. No, Thanks, <laughs> everyone. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's going to be it for this episode and I appreciate you listening and uh, we can turn it into the next episode. <music>